You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! And hello, and welcome to issue 546 of Geek in the City of Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I'm your other host, Cable Hashtani. And we are, of course, joined by Greg and Lindsay, who are later on to be talking about building character, but say hi. Great to be back. Hello. Yay. I'm... Oh, God, uh, what's happening? I... Zoom is randomly shifting. It's shifting our Brady Bunch faces around. Okay. <laughs> so you're not doing that. It's just doing that on its own. It just does it on its own. And it's also a different layout for everybody. True. True. Yeah. Anyway, how's everyone doing? How are things going? Going fine. Yeah. Uh, I know that before the show, we were having like not the most positive conversation about various situations that people are in right now financially emotionally stress stressfully and i don't it's not like a weird brag and i i feel guilty for for this being the case but i'm fine i'm like so fine (laughs) i'm like I'm, i'm i'm not getting sick of being home every day um i i did qualify and start collecting my unemployment stuff like pretty much on time right and uh yeah it's it's been like really weirdly smooth sailing and i i feel bad to hear about everyone who isn't having that same experience because i don't think that there's anything i can really do about it not really um which means you shouldn't feel bad about it either yeah like i know but here's the thing is like if if for some reason i couldn't get unemployment or my stuff was being weird for like some people that i work with not collecting anything. It's been weeks and they haven't seen anything back from... Which is from weird because the, they've had like a regular job, right? They weren't freelancing. Yeah, yeah. My, my actual co-workers. So they're right. in the same circumstances as me in terms of like claims eligibility. Management always gets paid first. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, like I know that there are people who live, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And that's got to be really, really hard and stressful not to get unemployment in a timely fashion. Um, If that had happened to me, it wouldn't have been, it's not catastrophic. 
and somehow like I'm the one who landed in the pile of, you know, claims to be processed quickly while other people are just wringing right. their hands. Yeah. I mean, we're okay for now. For me, it's just a frustration. I know there are people in much worse uh, states than I am in. So that's fair. Yeah. Anju, stop pushing buttons on the keyboard. <laughs> like Never. I don't have, I don't have a cat trying to alter my keyboard. She just tried. She she's like rubbing her face on the keyboard. It's like, dude. No. <laughs> uh, on the plus side, I'm incredibly chill right now, and not just because I'm enjoying a fine Saint Citron from Revnets. Um, I'm having that after. Ooh. But also, uh, when Jen and I went through the Lucky Devil Strip drive-through, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the meal we purchased and the fine show that we enjoyed and the toilet paper that the strippers gave us, they also handed out packets of weed. Yes, they did. I finally packed it today, and it's pretty much it was an all CBD one, which helps me uh, alleviate pain and less stress. Nice. So, an hour ago, I fired up my hookah and I was like, "Let's let's take this for a run." <laughs> And uh, not high. I'm just super chill. Nice. Like, you know, all the neck tension's gone for at least another hour. And then I'll go back to being just a bundle of tension. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. Just, just, keep, just keep having more of that weed then. Just, just always be weeding. <laughs> always be weeding. Always be weeding. Isn't that what the kids say? Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, but... Um, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Do you We're actually fine. know any kids? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like I stick I like Facebook Messenger chat with uh Princess Wonder Woman. Oh, P dubs? Yeah. Yeah. Is does she count as a kid though? Yeah. Yeah. Does she? I mean, she's pretty cool for a kid her age, but she's still a kid her age. Right. She's not like uh, right particularly precocious or anything i would oh, say oh she has those moments i mean all kids have some moments oh yeah no i meant She's precocious not like, in the best way no 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 I don't, I don't and i don't mean it in a bad way i just mean like you know she's a kid she's a kid's kid i uh was it yesterday yes it was yesterday i got like um like eight messages in a row from her just like rapidly pow 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 she was uh showing me all of her stuffed animals Oh, yeah, I got a picture of that, too. Yeah, I got a stuffed animal show. That was fun. Stop that. Uh, I apparently also missed a video conference request from her right before I started this show. And I was like, sorry, I have to go do a show. (laughs) You didn't give her the Zoom code? No, I felt like that would be bad to have a a, a nine-year-old. That's inappropriate. Yes. I mean, I've fairly sure that she's heard all of the words that we say all the time that's probably true but and i know if 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 we knew she was going to be on ahead of time we would police our language just enough like i know that i would not (laughs) i wouldn't nearly say fuck nearly as much like maybe a third of as much as i normally say fuck i don't know if i could do that in this uh in this environment (laughs) It's different uh, when you're if physically in the same room as another child. You can more easily, like, the filter is, like, physically pressed upon you. But in really? a virtual setting, I don't know if it would work the same. I think, I, 
I say fuck more when I'm actually around children. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm able to tap into my old like radio days where it was so ingrained in me that I, w- I could go back and forth between regular radio and podcast. Like, oh, where it's just like hitting a switch. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very much like hitting a switch, which has been difficult lately because I don't really do regular radio. Well, no one does regular radio anymore. No, nope. it's uh, regular radio anymore. Not really. Yeah. Um, but I've had to get better again because, like I said, twice a week I teach like eight to ten eight-year-olds like writing. Oh yeah. And I well, can't. That should be pretty easy in my mind because your audience is the children, and you're only with children. That's I think that would be more. Yeah. No. Manageable and, in my brain. Uh, it is a little bit, but uh, a few weeks into it, I think as everyone, as myself and the kids, as we all kind of got more comfortable with each other, um, uh, they've loosened up a little bit, um, and their parents like leave the room. Like, it's not like they're hanging out there. I actually think the parents are so happy to leave the room and leave their kids with me for like half hour to 45 minutes. Yeah. I figured that, that was the point, fair. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was part of it. But it's weird that uh, a few weeks into running the workshop, like I said, as the kids get more relaxed with me, I kind of become a little bit more relaxed around them. And it's far too easy for me to just slip into a more casual form of conversation. So I'll be talking about, you know, developing character or whatever. And I'll say, yeah, and you know, and sometimes you have to, you know, if you have to write a character who's, who's maybe going through something sad or making them angry, I said, if you don't feel that way, you know, you have to think back to a time when you did feel that way. And it would be so easy to be like, you know, that kind of shit that piles up inside you. And I can't do <laughs> I don't, but it's, I, I've come close a couple of times. <laughs> so um, the only other super awkward thing that's happened with these kids so far I think it was like two weeks ago or two classes ago or whatever. Um, they were talking about like their parents or, or whatever. And I said, well, I don't have any kids. And um, one of them said, well, not wet, not yet. You have to get married before you can have kids. And I said, well, I'm, I've been married for a long time. I just, you know, I'm, I'm not having any kids. And one of the, and one of the kids was like, well, you're gonna, it's gonna happen. Because I know how they're made, and and it happens. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not going to explain, like, why I am not able to have kids. I'm not having that conversation. You're here to run a writing seminar. That's right. I'm not here to, like, but for a split second, like, Advanced my, biology like lessons. My, my, my weird, like, you know, shared knowledge brain was like, you should tell them why. There's nothing wrong with it. It's completely scientific, and you will be appropriate. And I'm like, no, other brain. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell them why you can't do that. That no, that's not my job. So <laughs> I was fine there. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been interesting because uh, uh, my job uh, working with kids has moved entirely online. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been, it's been a really interesting change, but um, it's so important to the kids, and, and it's important to the parents too. Like you said, Aaron. But mm-hmm. uh, like it, our our weekly D and D or or kind of role playing game sessions, right, have been super important for these kids. It's a way that they socialize. It's a bit of like scheduled like normalcy. Like they'll see their friends or or you know they like that structure that there's a time 
every week that we're going to do a thing and we're going to, you know, be able to use our imagination and laugh and share an experience with other kids that we can then talk about later. Right. It's, it means a ton to them. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty fun. Um, it's funny. One of, um, one of, uh, one of the parents is, uh, an actual, is an actual teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, first off, she wrote me and she's like, you're really good at this. You should think about becoming a teacher when this is all over. And I was like, no, no. That requires a so lot that of you can schooling. Go, basically, so you can go from one job that doesn't pay very well to another job that doesn't pay very well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. On that note, I'm hoping that one of the positive things that comes from the duration is that more parents will be like, what? Why weren't we paying teachers before? This I know, is I saw, hard. I don't know who I saw the tweet from. It was from some celebrity and she wrote, she was like, having been homeschooling my children for the last four days, I have now decreed that teachers should be paid a million dollars a week and we should not argue with that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> a good yeah. person is not wrong. Yeah. Um, um, it's not going to happen. I was no. going to say, I'm like, I love, I love that rhetoric, but the fact that it took them this long to even consider that idea is how I know that it's never going to come into fruition. It's just something people are saying right now because they're feeling sorry for themselves and their situation. Yeah. We've always known the yeah. value of teachers and educators, but we clearly don't want to and put our money And doctors and nurses and people who work in grocery stores, all of these things, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. The, the only way we're going to get to a point where everyone goes, oh, no, we really have to do that. We have to. It's time for class war and we need to redistribute uh, finances and, and wealth forcibly is in six months when we're all still stuck at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens then, I suppose. Which yeah. is why everyone is pushing to get us out of the homes and back to work where we're distracted again. Yeah. Uh, well, I, some 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 states these. are not all the states. This is true. Not the state of Oregon and not <laughs> not the West Coast, basically. You you mean New Cascadia. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some stuff some stuff is apparently, uh, I guess, slotted to come back on May 1st. Mostly like non-urgent medical. Now, yeah. medical is retail is still closer to the middle of May, more likely the beginning of June. Right. Uh, uh, which is going to be what guard, people at Guardian are going to be discussing tomorrow. Oh, of how to handle it? Yep. Yeah. I just uh, keep submitting emails of like, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do this. Kev- Kevin just said the main thing coming back on May 1st is going to be coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I feel kind of bad. I mean, I don't feel bad for Texas. I feel bad for people I know in Texas, because all the right. Texans I know are, you know, believe in science. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have a friend who's uh, currently living in Tennessee, and she just got notification that she has to go back to work, and she's going. She's like, "So coronavirus just magically stopped happening, and I'm supposed to go back to work." So, yeah, she's having a bit of a freak out, which is fair. Yeah. yeah. I just read the article, and we'll go to something fun, promise. I just saw, like, an article from, I guess, like, the governor of Iowa. 
is basically telling people that when the state reopens, it doesn't matter how you feel or what your risk is. If you don't go back to work, uh, you will be, your boss will be allowed to terminate you and there will be no unemployment insurance allowed for you at all. You will be cut off if you don't go back to work. Wow. Yeah, I saw that. But that's freedom. Remember, that's, that's actual freedom, not, uh, not what we're doing now. No, that, that's actual tyranny. Yeah, no, it is in every way. Mm-hmm. I don't even have words for that. Yeah. It's just so enraging. Uh, mine are the, the words that I said earlier that I'd cut down if we had children on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, definitely some of those are inclu- included. Yeah, that's true. They're usually all strung a lot together. Of those. As just, it's just the F word strung together as a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it does work that way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, I did a... Uh, I did like a, so I don't know, I think it's a, I don't know if it's part of a unified school district, but it might be like Beaverton, Hillsborough school district areas. Mm-hmm. But I hosted a, they have a program. It's, I guess it's technically like an after school program, but now they've integrated it. It's voluntary if kids can attend it, but it's a, it's a classroom to career program. Usually like juniors and seniors, you know, go to these different seminars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, yeah, they invited me. They invited me like two months ago, and I finally got around to it. Today, I did a, a, a little like seminar on starting to work in comics and like what does it take and what can you expect. Nice. There were like there were like twenty teenagers in this in this Zoom room. Like the teacher kind of like led it, but like they're all first off. And I remember being 17, 16, 17, 18, uh, So I remember this. They are way less talkative than eight year olds. <laughs> There's a lot of like. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of wondering, like, what what kind of comics make the most money? <laughs> That's actually a question I got towards the end, and I said, uh, well, unfortunately, none of them. <laughs> uh, I had mentioned at the very beginning of the like the, the seminar thing I ran, I said, um, not to discourage you, but do not get into comics with the belief that you will become wealthy. Uh, That's not to say there are not wealthy people in comics but they are a small percentage. Yeah. An incredible minority. They're the outliers. Um, they are not the, yeah. yeah. I said They're most, norm. most successful people who work full-time in comics as a rule also have another job. I said, you get into wow. comics because you absolutely love the, the medium, not because um, you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not because, because you want to be. Reason. Yeah. It's like that whole, that's like that joke when they said like, why do you want to become a, why do you want to become an actor? And they said to become famous. And I think it was Robin Williams. He was, he was talking, he was talking about something one time and like someone asked him like, you know, he was like, why do you want to become an actor? And the guy said, cause I want to be famous. And he said, well, that's easy. Shoot a president. <laughs> he's like, becoming famous is easy. He's like, yeah. what you want is not, he's like, that's, you don't become an actor to become famous. No. Um, but yeah, it was kind of cool. Like I, you know, I, kind of gave my thoughts on what it's like in comics and, you know, um, you know, why can it be so hard? So I was talking about, you know, one of the very physical limitations of shelf space. It's, it's one of the reasons why comics is so competitive is that although there's, you know, there's direct to order and there's, you know, digital comics, the lifeblood is still brick and mortar stores and those stores only have so much physical space. I was like, I said, when you can go to a comic book shop next time, I said, go to your local shop and look around. 
and count how many comics they can physically put up on a wall. I said, your average shop, you're going to see about 130 to maybe 150 titles that can be faced. I said, then count how many are Marvel and DC. I said, those two companies combined crank out about 90 books a month. And I was like, they're all going to have shelf space. I said, now they also only make up 33% of the market. I was like, so now you got to figure out why is everyone so competitive? They are literally fighting for shelf space. And I, you know, I went in a little bit about, I said, it's also kind of a broken system. I was like, you know, your, your average retail store or your average grocery store, they place orders based on need. And sometimes there are new products they want to take a chance on. I said, but it's based on need. They kind of know right off the bat if something will be popular. I said, a comic book shop has to order something 90 days in advance and they have to hope you're going to like that book. Mm-hmm. I said, it's the only industry that we're in. See when the kid, I even a couple of the kids were like, that's stupid. I said, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is stupid. It's incredibly stupid. I said, there are books that have been canceled before they ever even got on the shelf. I said, because of that very reason. Um, but I still gave them some, I hope, you know, some good advice and stuff. It was kind of nice. Felt kind of nice to talk about comics and getting them into it. And hopefully I didn't discourage them. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a classic trope of like the edgy professor is like first day of, uh, first day of your course, they walk in and they're like, okay, tell me, you know, tell me what you know about this topic. Great. Now throw it out the window. <laughs> The thing is that, like, I don't think any of them really knew a thing about the topic. They all just knew that they wanted to write or draw comics. And that's, like, they love comics, but they didn't know anything about it. Sure. You know, and I, you know, like, one of the questions was, like, do I have to live in a certain city to, to make comics? Do I have to live where they're at? And I was like, not really, not anymore. Don't they already live in it? And I said, and if you live in Portland, I said, you actually live in it already. And I kind of talked about that a little bit. I said, but... I said, the days of having to live in New York or LA for, for publishing, I said, those are kind of gone. Um, you know, I said that the, the good news is that it's harder than ever, or it's easier than ever to get your work out there. I said, but the bad news is everyone can get their work out there now. Mm-hmm. You know? So, oh, yes. But um, yeah, I, it, was, it was fun. It was pretty good. And apparently it was like one of the biggest... Um, like attended of these workshops they've had in a long time. So I was like, oh, Good job. that's awesome. Well, it's not me. I think it's just they want to learn about comics. <laughs> well, still, um, they had a yeah. good person to learn it from. Yeah, well, thank you. But I'm trying to reach out to some of my artists because friends that I know that are artists are like, hey, they're probably going to want to do more of these. And I can only speak to being a writer. I can't speak to being an artist or a colorist. I said, if, you, you know, if you're interested, reach out. I'll put you in contact. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah. The one thing I definitely tried to, I'm sorry, I'm yammering on here. The one thing I definitely tried to, to drill home to all of them, I said, when you are initially trying to like pitch your first story to an editor or a publisher, I said, I know you probably have like that epic 50 issue arc or like 12 volume book series in your head. I said, don't pitch that. They're not going to take it. Nobody buys it. No one cares. No one wants it. It's not worth the risk. I was like, now, if you can prove to a publisher or an editor that you can tell a cohesive story with a beginning, middle, and end that will emotionally grab the reader in five pages, pitch that. Because if you can sell that, they know, 
anyone can tell a story in 300 pages, but it takes actual skill to pull one off in five. It's like, that's the thing to remember. I said, but don't ever come to them with like a manuscript Mm-mm. for your post-apocalyptic robotic Lord of the Rings series. I said, no one's going to buy it. No one. Um, and I heard a couple like, oh, I'm like, yes, I've just saved you years of heartache. um and then the other one i made sure to drive home is that if you're the writer you are not there to entertain your artist uh so don't be coy in your script don't be like and when we get to page 12 you're gonna understand what this character means i'm like don't do that i've done that in the past it just angers your artist and makes for a worse comic (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I said, your script should be entertaining to read, but you're not there to like pull a twist on your artist. Don't ever, don't ever throw a plot twist in with your artist. They will hate you forever for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're your collaborator. It's, it's like you're uh, right. No, no one, no one likes that. Yeah. That's the thing I I told him too. I said, you know, unfortunately, like writers get a lot of the credit for comics. I said, everyone has an equal part in telling the story. I said, but the flat out truth is that the artist has the hardest job. It's the most physically demanding. It takes the longest. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can spend 20 minutes and write what I think is this genius splash page about this epic throwdown that happens like in a rock stadium. And it took me 20 minutes. He'd be like, that's genius. I said, yeah, what took me 20 minutes, that artist is going to take three days drawing that thing. <laughs> so keep that in mind. If they're lucky. Yeah. And then I was like, P.S. They- artists hate crowd scenes. <laughs> some artists do some artists do some love it yeah yeah i think all artists seem to have some they have, they have different quirks like oh i hate this but i love doing this and this and this it's like why right yeah like, <laughs> i i presume there there are artists out there that love drawing cars oh yeah yeah oh yeah um, is it Matthew that hates drawing horses, Cable? I'm trying to remember. That seems reasonable to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know exactly, but that that seems about right. Yeah. I've definitely remember. never seen him draw a horse. He's never really had to draw any animals in any of his books. Right. From my experience, <laughs> apparently, artists for the most part don't like to draw um, a lot animals. of animals. Yeah. That's you know. Um, uh, the uh, Hirsch, uh the creator of Tintin, like if you look at, at his work, like all of his backgrounds and like his automobiles are all like pretty pretty realistic, and that's what juxtaposed between the characters, which were very simple, it helped mm-hmm. bring bring the reader in uh, because they were able to put themselves more into the simple drawing of Tintin and then have these really realistic surroundings around them uh it's it's very immersive Ah, i could totally see that yeah um although really quick uh like speaking of artwork has anyone been following for the charity thing jim lee's doing the 30 characters in 30 days challenge Mm -mm. it is nuts like I like Jim Lee. I'm not, I don't like go crazy over him because that style was never for me, but I get why people like him and he is really good at what he does. Um, but it's been so long since I've seen him draw anything but Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman is that to see his take on other characters has been super fun. Um, 
his dark side is just nuts. Um, it's like this perfect Jack Kirby uh, homage. Um, he did a Swamp Thing. He did finally do a, a Batman art, but he did the Gotham by Gaslight Batman, and it looked phenomenal. Awesome. Um, so yeah, if you go on Twitter or something and look for this his... Which one? This one? Uh, yeah, he drew that one. Nice. Which is still, to this day, one of my favorite Batman designs ever. I still want to cosplay as the Gotham by Gathlight Batman. That's cool. So I love what he's been doing, and I love that Mike Mignola has been drawing random pop culture characters. Me too! Oh my gosh. Yeah, I like this so Mecha Godzilla today. Uh, yeah, his Popeye. Uh, mm-hmm. He just was a few days ago, he did Snap, Crackle, and Pop. <laughs> I'm, on the wrong, that, I'm on the wrong Twitter, apparently. Yeah. Before that, he did... Uh, uh, Booberry, Frankenberry, and Count Chocula. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Well, one clarification. What Jim Lee is doing is not 30 characters in 30 days. He's doing it for 60. Oh, 60? Yes. Oh. He started April 1st, and he's doing a sketch a day and auction them all off for 60 days starting April 1st. Wow. Yeah, he was on Kevin Smith's uh, podcast a few days ago talking about it, too, what he's doing. Nice. Um... I'm looking at Mignola now. He just he did a robot monster, which is pretty great. Uh, he did Hellboy meets Ultraman. He's just doing so many yeah, cool the things Hellboy, right now. Yeah. The Hellboy yeah. and Ultraman was great. Yeah. And these are on Twitter, you said? Yeah. yeah if you go to Mike, if you just it's uh if you just put Mike Mignola into Twitter, you'll see he's, it. He's been cross posting it to Facebook too. I feel like yeah. he's also been cross posting. He's probably cross posting it to Instagram, but I'm not following him there. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, the Count Chocula. Oh man, I don't even want to know how much these things are going for. <laughs> and the money the that thing, they're raising is going to brick and mortar stores. Yeah, and no, I know, and I'm glad that's happening. But part of me is like, well, I want to want to be able to buy one of them, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing I guess that's happening with uh, Magnolia's artwork is he's been. I guess if you ask for it, he's been releasing high-res digital versions. He's like, if you want to practice coloring, here you go. Oh, right on. Cool. So, yeah, so people are like, I don't think I'd ever get this chance, but I'm coloring a, a, a Mike Bignola piece, and wow, this is fun. <laughs> oh, man, I want to do the uh, the vacuum from the Flintstones one. <laughs> so far. So there, there are good people doing good things in comics right now. This is true. Yes. There are good people doing good things everywhere, but yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. But it, it, it's nice to see that in in the comic industry. I feel like this kind of dovetails into one of the things that we want to talk about tonight. <laughs> Sorry. I've just read something really quick, and we'll get to it from Kevin. I didn't know Michael Oming was doing this, but if it's true, that's awesome. I've read that Michael Avon Oming starts adding gratuitous butts in the panels if his writer doesn't provide natural butt outlet. <laughs> You know, if you don't if you don't write some butts into this, I'm just going to put them in there myself. Yeah, that seems I, that seems likely. That tracks. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, if butts are your thing, let the man have butts. Let the man have butts. Very well. <laughs> give them butts. If they want butts, butts, give them no. butts. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> And title for the episode. 
Give them, <laughs> give them butts. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cable was in the middle of doing a seamless segue, though. Yes. <laughs> was I? Was I really? Totally. I think you, I, well, you were, yeah. So, um, a couple weeks back, I I came across... Um, Keep talking. I'm just going to share this while you talk. Sorry. Sure. One of those uh, ads on Instagram or Twitter or something. Oh, God, that's really pretty. Isn't that pretty? Um, Fuck. And it was essentially, it, it was uh, for a stay-at-home convention where they were getting a bunch of people together to talk about, you know, comic books and doing art for comics and this. Essentially, you get to interact with people the way you would at a convention. And it had like a, a Brady Bunch photo of the artists and writers that were attending this stay-at-home convention. Right. Oh, those are, those are haunting. Those are haunting. <laughs> Sorry, we're also sharing artwork while Cable's talking. Yeah. I apologize. Um, and the thing that I noticed is I look at this, I look at the photos, and I had to do a triple take before I realized that it was three different dudes. Or it, it was nine different dudes because they all looked the same. They <laughs> right. were all white, bespeckled, bearded, and dressed in flannel. The yeah, only... Shocker characteristic that was different between any of them is some had hats and some didn't. <laughs> um, and this was their, hey, there's a lot of diversity in comics. It's like, where? Right. There's, like, there's not even a woman among you, let alone anyone of color. I love, I love when it's actually about diversity and it is not diverse itself. I mean, they, that, that wasn't the discussion. It was just more of a... a but they, they didn't think to include anyone. They didn't look at each other and go, oh, hey, you know what we should do is probably get some women up in this. And maybe make it not such of a sausage fest. And maybe we should also... <laughs> Sorry, I had to share that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. The, and that... I brought that up and like I brought it up sarcastically as a joke. It's like, the fuck is with this? But, um, hi, Manju. Um, I'm really sad that the camera doesn't show back up more or show more of the desk so that you could see Manju's acrobats <laughs> right here below the camera's eyeline. Cause it's yeah, her tail is the only thing that pops up. Anyway. Um, so Aaron brought up a very good point about this and and that is because of what's going on with COVID-19 and with all businesses and especially with comics because if you've been following what's going on with comics there's all kinds of crazy shit going on with Diamond, there are things going on with DC, there are things going on with Marvel um, but Aaron's point is very true and that is in order to get their feet back underneath them that means DC and Marvel are going to do nothing but rubber stamp, and you talked about this, rubber stamp yeah. um, books that are going to be written by names that people recognize and not take a chance on anyone. And like this got into also how the comic book creators that are struggling right now are all women and people of color. Uh, because they relied on convention season in order to interact with new people and bring new readers 
to yeah. them. <clears throat> that's so also how them. smaller. That's also how smaller publishers had a chance to. Yeah. Which is where a lot of women and people of color get their start, or get or put their own work out is through mm-hmm. smaller press, like you know, a, a you know, a, a Brave New World or Black Mask or uh, even places like. I mean. Even going Line beyond Forge like, and, yeah, yeah. Even going be yeah, Lion Forge Oni. Even going beyond like Boom and IDW, which are still very much a, a white boy club. Um, yeah, those smaller publishers that kind of try to help out the conventions were their lifeblood too. You know, the convention circuit. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I'm really worried. I mean, I have, and I'm not. I didn't say that with having any kind of insight. I just kind of say it as someone who's been, you know, working one way or another in 10 years in comics and also having, you know, run a comic book shop for a while. I don't see Marvel or DC um, taking a chance on anyone who's not a known quantity for a long time. Um, that even includes, uh, cause I know Marvel especially, you know, sent out the pencils down order a few weeks ago. And the first books that are going to come back are going to be the biggest titles, the biggest titles. So the title that maybe had a, you know, had like a a woman creator or a person of color that wasn't Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, And that's not a dig on him, but he's, he's a big enough name that they're going to bank on him. Right. Um, And he's a great writer. So I want his books back. Um, It's hard to be mad about that one. Yeah, no, no. But in the grand scheme of things, I feel like the big, comic companies are going to take way less risks. And in one side, I get it. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, so it's going to be even worse than business as usual mm-hmm. when it becomes business as usual. So the the thing that I put forward is that becomes where anyone who's working in the industry has to rely on you. I was gonna say what like the only thing that I can see like consumers doing is just actively not buying the big titles at least not right away mm-hmm. and spending more of their money of what they do spend on art on on the little guys right but where do you where where are we gonna look for this stuff uh, once the market shrinks that uh... I think that comes down to who do social media again, like that's how a lot of people found one another in the first place was through the internet. Granted, we don't have Tumblr the way that we had Tumblr before. And that's definitely was a hotbed for finding new comic book artists and comic book artwork. Um, but since that got nerfed and bought by Yahoo and sold by Yahoo, that's, you know, hot garbage. Um, and we still need a social media network where we can actually post and share these things where it will have a broader reach and not be at the whims of an algorithm. Well, I, I think part of that is just having more conversations with your friendly local uh, comic book shop and like, Telling, telling the people there, like, hey, this is what I would like to do as we go forward. What sort of titles can you put in my box? And right. can, you, can you have, you know, keep, a, keep an eye out for stuff like that? And um, 
just kind of help retailer what is already going into your box uh, and have that conversation with the with 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 your comic book provider. Yeah, which I recognize puts a lot of onus on the consumer. Um, and I I have a hard time not going. Well, so what? <laughs> the uneducated right. consumer in the first place. That's yeah. part of why we're in the problem that we are now is we have an entire country full of uninformed consumers. Someone will just tell me what to do. Um, I know that you yes, were. I know that you have a you have a problem with algorithms, and that's and and then rightly so. But I I do have to say that uh, like from experience. Instagram is actually a really, really good way to find um, new artists and not just by like scouring for yourself necessarily, but if you follow artists that you already like, I've come to find that they uh, spend a lot of time sharing and promoting or talking about or working with the artists that they like who might be lesser known uh, to the point where basically these days I will find an artist and I'll be like, oh, they're already being followed by four artists that I follow. So clearly this is the wheelhouse I look for me. And I just tack it on there. I'll give their, I'll give a quick scan of their work and I'll be like, yeah, this is, this is good. I like this. And I'll give a follow. And then, and then in that way, the, the information does just start coming to me. I think Instagram is still the lesser of all evils as far as that goes it's the one that i find the most palatable Mm -hmm. i do still have a problem with it because it has a problem with sex workers and that is a different conversation that i want to have on this show regularly for the rest of the year by the way (laughs) Um, we can talk about that later um but the like the the policing of women and what they do with their bodies is is my main issue with Instagram. It's less to do with their algorithm. It has more to do with that. So, but that aside, I do agree with you that it has been a great way to find artists. I stumble on new artists all the time and start looking through their body of work there and follow them. Uh, I believe that they, Instagram makes it easier to do that because it's easier to get money out of them. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, I was getting a surreptitious message. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it's 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 always going to be weird because free free social media platforms. You are the product. This that that conversation that we've had so many times. Yeah. Um, and yes, Instagram is owned by Facebook, so it's. I mean, yeah, it's 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 still kind of being uh, controlled by somebody we don't like. I feel like it, Facebook has implemented its blanket policies with Instagram, but in, the people who are running Instagram are still different than the people who are running Facebook. <clears throat> that kind of tracks a bit, yeah. yeah. So, I, again, dear Pornhub, please create a social network that uh, we will pay for, and you can kill Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're the ma- you're the biggest major company that has both the funds and the reach and infrastructure to do that. You can take out Instagram inside of a week. Although speaking of uh, speaking of Pornhub, I don't. It's not Pornhub that I got the email from. 
it was like a like basically if you had like a media account there was a huge like um the hell are they called press releases um i forgot <laughs> i don't know why i forgot because no one reads a press release like, I, ever. Just, I find it ironic that you forgot the word press release I, because even <laughs> i don't give a crap about them that's what i mean like no one no one cares um uh i forgot anyway it it wasn't Pornhub, but I guess it was one of the top three like porn streaming sites. Mm-hmm. They basically wrote an open letter to San Diego Comic-Con saying, look, if you want to not cancel all of your panels, we will host them all. Like, wow. have all the cameras set up. I know you can't have, you can't have people in attendance, but like if fans want to dress up and stream themselves as like a cosplay contest, we will host all the creator panels. We will host... The celebrity panels, like, we'll host it all on our site. We have the bandwidth to do it. We're one of the few companies that can, which is just hilarious. That's what I'm saying. Like, every overture that they've done like this, it's like, just go ahead and pull the trigger on this, guys. Just make the social media network and, and do it. Call it my hub. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can have that for free. <laughs> that's a good one, actually. That's, that's actually, I like it. Yeah, that's kind of classy. It's Bye. it's a it harkens a little bit back to the old MySpace days, uh-huh. which is what I was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. It does it's not the- have to, in any way, shape, or form, link to any pornographic parts of Pornhub sites. However, if you want to do that, you should have the option of doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the model is, pay ten dollars a month. You don't see any ads. You are not the product. There's no algorithm changing stuff. If, like, and if they find people are putting political ads that are fake or any news that's fake up there, they delete it. Yeah, there you go. They better be taking that money and doing something uh, helpful with it. Like, right. They do that all the time. Like, yeah. the this entire country currently has Pornhub Premium for free until the coronavirus passes. That's right. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. And they did that with Italy first. Yeah, Italy Italy got it first. Yeah. <laughs> this Again, this is a sidebar into another longer conversation that I, I want to have. Yes, at the it's point. fine. Um, but yeah, like there are, are ways where we can use Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to uh, find more artists and find out what they're doing, start following them, find, and then talk, like uh, Greg is talking about, go to your local comic book store and go, these are the comics, these are the artists I want to see. Please help me find their work. Please help me put put that in the box. And then tell other people about them and, you know, share, like, I know there there are two things that you can do for artists. Patronage is one and uh, um, supporting is the other. Patronage means you're giving them money. Uh, right. supporting is if you can't afford to give them money, uh, share their name, their work with as many people as you possibly can for, without any question or any, um, request for any sort of reward or response for that. Yeah. Right. Do it because it needs to be done. Cable, you live in a magical world. I want to live I? in that world. At least you want to make a magical one. 
I want to live in the world as described to me by Star Trek. Yes. And that starts with Pornhub making a social network. That's that'll be the first step to the holodeck. Yeah. When historians <laughs> look back in four hundred years, they'll be like, "Where did it all start?" They're like, "Porn." They're like, Pornhub oh. made a interactive space, and they called it the holodeck. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't decided. porn been a huge Pornhub. influencer in like the film and media platform like from the beginning? Pornography oh. has always been at the forefront of technology. Yeah. I, Porn is why we have cheaper DVD. It's why, well, first off, it's one of the main reasons why VHS beat out beta. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's actually the bad thing because beta, 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 better, better. With beta with a better format, you guys. <laughs> and actually, the other, well, it's, it's, we're past that now. Porn we're so far past that. Here's the thing. The other reason why uh, beta lost is that apparently, on average, the machine weighed like nine ounces more than a VHS machine. And when they're all being shipped by cargo from overseas... Those ounces add up. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why Laserdiscs endured. That's what brought the DVD to the forefront. Yep. Um, yep. The porn industry blacked, backed uh, Blu-ray, not um, whatever the hell Sony's format was called. HD DVD? I think it was HD DVD. Yeah, the porn industry backed Blu-ray. Um, if VR ever gets popular, it's going to be because of porn. Yep. Um, if, if we do end up with working holographic technology, porn. Porn. It'll be porn. See, so that's what we need. We need porn to take over the social networking. See, and, and I'm not saying. Remember, that like half an hour ago, we were like, you know what? We could totally have uh, Tara's daughter join the show. It'd be fine. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody said that. We haven't said anything lewd except for the word porn, <laughs> like ten times a minute. Uh... Yeah, okay, fine. There no children. Jeez. I'd like step one to be have some videos where the women are actually having fun. Oh, they're out there. I have yet to find them. I, I, so I miserable and making awful gagging sounds. I do point. agree that uh, porn itself <laughs> also needs an overhaul. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm merely pointing out that Pornhub has been interested in doing more for the lack of a better word, philanthropic work. So mm-hmm. now would be a good time to do that. Philanthropic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, Kevin is nodding in such a way that tells me that he's a little pissed that you came up with that before he did. <laughs> he's like, mm, yeah, I almost made that joke. He's like, damn it. I'll... Also, and then Norm so, called it engorged learning. Yep, nice. That's good too. That's good too. Before it's like we, we have, it's like we have the Marx Brothers on the show right now, right? Uh, I did want to point out, hi, Anno. Everyone's been saying it in the chat, but hi. That, that Are you getting ready for see. work? Here we can. Un- I'm gonna unmute you really quick. Okay. Okay. Hi. Isn't it really hi. early there? It's super early. It's like four thirty. Oh wow. What are you doing up? Yeah. Um, I woke up. <laughs> I was about to say, why is it so bright? But I realize it's because it's 430 where in you're Stockholm. at. Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the sun came up like an hour and a half ago. Oh, well, ish. Oh, it's, it's, it's me and, and, and Raven. It's very Portland weather, actually. It's like nice. nice. 
Listen, Robin ish, but it's yeah. I'm very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you could join us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you go back to lurking. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is a perfect spot to tell you that this issue of Geek in the City Radio is brought to you by our fine sponsors, Bridge City Comics, who are still doing mail order and curbside pickup. Check out all their inventory that they have uh, going on right now over at BridgeCityComics.com. If you uh, don't see like the graphic novel you know, on their list, because they've literally been building uh, this mail order system by hand, basically... If you don't see it there offered, you know, just drop them an email. Hit the contact button on BridgeCityComics.com and uh, ask them what, you know, what titles you're looking for. And if they have it in stock, they will they will hook you up. It is a completely safe way to get your comics and it's a good way to uh, help out the local comic book shops, help out the comic industry, help out your community. Especially, I do believe in a few weeks, Diamond is going to begin shipping again. So books are going to start slowly coming back down the pipe. So, um... You know, don't don't miss out on your books that you thought were going to be gone for a while. They may be coming back. So please, check them out, BridgeCityComics.com. And uh, when you're placing your order, thank them for being a sponsor of this very show. Just like our next sponsors, Guardian Games, who are also have been running um, contact-free, curbside-only pickup since everything kind of, you know, ever since the goblin hit the fan, as it were. Um <laughs> Whatever kind of game you're looking for, you know, a board game, a role-playing game, card game, dice games, um, email Guardian Games and see if they have the title. Uh, if they do, they will let you know the price uh, of it via your reply. And uh, if it's something you want, tell them, yes, please, I would like that. They call you really quickly after sending that email. They give you the price. You give them your credit card over the phone and they tell you, all right, you can come pick it up during this time frame. And uh, it's all done with little to no contact at all. In fact, the only contact is really them touching the product. Uh, they actually are sanitizing the products as they hand them out. Um, they're letting the bag sit out for a while. So they're being as safe as possible in these times to get the games to you. So please uh, show your support. We're all locked in right now. Uh, board games and role-playing games are a fantastic way to pass the time. Uh, don't play Monopoly while you're trapped in with family members that would just make you want to murder. Uh, play board games that involve murder that actually don't cause you to do it. There you go. It's easy. Guardian Games. Uh, check them out at ggportland.com. And as always, a special shout out to Revnat for hooking us up with these amazing mics that are allowing us all to sound wonderful during everyone's lock-in quarantine. So check them out. Check out Revnat's. And um, also, give a little, show some love over on Asylum, facebook.com forward slash PDX Asylum. They aren't open, but uh, if there's something you really love, Anton and Dev, drop them a message there, and Anton and Dev will uh, find a way to get that product to your house. So it's all tricky times now. We all got to stick together, and that's what we're trying to do here on Geek in the City Radio, which we're going to get back to right now. Um, well, this feels like good time to to transition to why greg and Lindsay are here because <laughs> yes. we've gone from comics to porn that's what always happens uh, so yeah this all started out about por- uh, comics uh, inevitably leading to porn uh, uh, comics, greg porn, and Lindsay are and... not here for porn or comics we're not um oh, she's out <laughs> <laughs> no they're here to provide the uh the the third part in the holy geek trinity between comics porn and of course 
Role-playing games. That's right. Not that kind of dungeon. <laughs> it could be. Nicely it done. It could be. Well it's done. Very uh, clear boundaries. Yeah. Stay for the uh, role-play, so, come for the porn. That's right. Wait. That, yep. <laughs> no, yeah. That's, that's you right. walk into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's no more theme song because there's no more there's no more music left for anything. But it's time for the next installment of Building Character. Yay! Yeah. Hold on. Oh, we should have had the music. Oh wait, vamp. Uh, this is this is the segment. This is the segment. We're gonna talk about dungeons and maybe some dragons. This is so hard to open. Oh, here, I'll, I'll show you my, <laughs> my my Sword of Dungeons and Dragons shirt. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey. I like it. That's cool. Wait, I got uh, it. You ready? No, I got it. Okay. Better be the right one. Hold on. No. It's time for another installment of Building Character. <laughs> that was the sound of dice. Oh, thank you for that, Aaron. Uh, yeah. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Greg. <laughs> I was really proud of that effect. And I'm I like it. It was very cute. I feel like Denise is uh, not amused. I was going to play the theme music. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late now. No, you wanted it your now. way. Go. Go on. Look, That's going to rest. be her epitaph. Denise was not amused. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Greg. Right under the other epitaph, she has told me many times that her tomb is going to say, damn it, Duran. <laughs> Probably also that. <laughs> right, Why right. not both? All right. Yeah. Today, uh, we are talking about rangers. Rangers. These rugged, yes, rangers. These rugged roustabouts renowned, uh, renounced relaxation to roam the rocky ravines and rapid rivers of the region, roving for repugnant revenants and reviled raiders redirecting riffraff from real dangers and rescuing rambling revelers. Their reward? Real reflection in the resplendence of the realm. Nice. Wow. No, that's a... Man, that yeah. is some alliteration that will make Stan Lee proud. Well done. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Ranger's a fun class, um, but uh, they are specialists, so before you decide to make one, Make sure you have a really good conversation with your DM. Uh, the ranger has to make a lot of really specific decisions really early on. Uh, so, like, if you make your choice without actually talking to your DM, you might end up feeling like your badass ranger that you worked so hard on never got the chance to shine because you never encountered the monster that the ranger is uh, trained in hunting, or you never actually went to your favorite terrain. Like, yeah. You like got to talk about it. You got to like, know where you guys are going before you do Like the person that wants to make like the Batman style urban ranger and then the entire party stays in the wilderness forever. Stuff right. like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, diving into uh, the ranger nitty gritty stuff. Um, the really neat thing with them is that they're capable melee fighters and spellcasters. So a really good jack of all trade. Uh, so when making your ranger, make sure your wisdom is high because that's where your spellcasting is based off of. Uh, dexterity should be pretty up there if you're going to be doing archery stuff. Um, strength should be your higher stat if you're going to be doing the, like, the two-weapon badassery there. Um, 
Your hit die is going to be a d10, which is uh, comparable to a fighter or a paladin, so pretty sturdy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and at first level, you gain your favorite enemy, which uh, is a creature type that you've specialized in hunting and fighting. So you get to choose right off the bat one type among aberrations, beasts, celestials, constructs, dragons, elementals, fays, fiends, giants, monstrosities, oozes, plants, or undead. Yeah, you can be a ranger that fucking hates plants. I hate plants. Um, but plants. This seems counterintuitive. Killed my brother. <laughs> it does, but there are some, the a, lot, a lot of deadly plants in D&D. That's true. Uh, alternatively, uh, you can select two types of humanoids, like orcs and gnolls, and specialize and uh, have them be your favorite enemies. Uh, you get advantage on wisdom, survival checks uh, to track your favorite enemies, as well as intelligence checks to recall information about them. You also learn a language of your choice that is spoken by your favorite enemy if they speak one at all. Sorry, who's rangers? You do not get one. You don't get uh, to go like blah, 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 blah. no. You can no. do that to your heart's desire, but it means nothing. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, you also gain an additional favorite enemy at sixth and fourteenth level, and it's suggested that your choices reflect the type of creatures you've been fighting in your campaign. Now, also at first level, you get the natural explorer trait. This ability allows you to do a number of things. First off, you choose a type of natural environment you're familiar with. They give you options which range from like Arctic to coast to desert to forest. Um, and then uh, when you make an intelligence or wisdom check related to your favorite terrain, your proficiency bonus doubles if you're using a skill that you're proficient in. Ooh. And while traveling for an hour or more in your favorite terrain, you gain these following benefits. Boom. Your uh, difficult terrain does not slow your group's travel. Kaplow, your group can't become lost except by magical means. Shebang, you remain alert to danger even when engaged in other activities while traveling. Wowza, if you're traveling alone, you move stealthily at a normal pace. Hachimachi, when you forage, you find twice as much food as you normally would. Gadzooks! When traveling, when tracking creatures, you also learn their exact numbers, their sizes, and how long ago they passed through the area. And at level six and ten, you choose additional favored terrains. And so, basically, what all this means—it um, means traveling is really easy, not just for you, but for your whole group. Uh, it really pays to have a ranger in your party if you're doing a lot of like traveling around the countryside. Which is why. You should talk to your DM, because if they're like, oh, yeah, this adventure takes place in the metropolis city of Waterdeep, then, uh, you know, your, your Arctic uh, favored terrain ranger isn't going to get to benefit from any of that. <laughs> right? He's just going to sit there all sad in his mucklucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, some neat stuff. Oh, at level two, that's when you get your fighting style. Uh, and as well as your spell casting abilities, so that's really fun. Uh, so the fighting styles uh, are archery, defense, dueling, and then the two weapon fighting that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so we've gone over those with the um, with the fighter episodes, so I'm not going to dig into too much of that. Um, with the spell casting, 
Uh, so the ranger uses wisdom, like I said, uh, which is like the druid, except mm -hmm. unlike the druid, uh, a ranger doesn't get cantrips. Uh, instead, it gains the ability to cast two first level spells of your choice from the ranger spell list. Uh, and then the ranger, you know, regains spells at the end of a long rest, much like the others. Cool. Uh, yeah. At level three, you gain the ability Primeval Awareness, which allows you to use your action and spend one ranger spell slot to focus your awareness on the region around you. And for one minute per the spell level uh, of the spell slot you extend, you can sense whether the following types of creatures are present within one mile of you or within six miles if you are in your favored terrain. Uh, aberrations, celestials, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. Uh, the feature does not reveal the creature's location or numbers, but you'll know if they're present within a six-mile radius of you. Um, and then at level three is when you gain your subclasses. Uh, so we're going to go into the, the uh, subclasses that are presented in both the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide. So we're going to go over the Hunter, the Beastmaster, the Gloomstalker, Horizon Walker, and Monster Slayer. Starting with the two subclasses presented in the Player's Handbook, uh, we have the Hunter, who yeah. are a bulwark between civilization and the terrors of the wilderness. You learn specialized techniques for fighting the threats you face from hordes of marauding gnolls to towering giants. There are a lot of options to this subclass. It's almost like three in one. Um, so it's a little chunky, but I'll try and be quick. Um, so the first ability you get is something called Hunter's Prey, and it offers you a unique fighting style. Those fighting styles are the Colossus Slayer, the Giant Killer, and the Horde Breaker. Uh, Colossus Slayer is you hit, hard and once you see blood you don't let up when you hit a creature with weapon attack the creature takes an extra 1d8 damage if it's below its maximum hit point uh and you can deal this damage once per turn but uh, as soon as you get that first strike or as soon as someone in your party hits that monster and they're below their max hit point 1d8 extra damage every uh every round uh giant killer uh for the giant killer uh, fighting style. You have to get underfoot uh, these big bad guys, but uh, when they're punching down, you're right there to hit them where it hurts. So when a large-sized or larger creature within five feet of you hits or misses you with an attack, you can use your reaction to attack the creature immediately after its attack, provided you can see it. And finally, Horde Breaker is uh, that you are unnaturally fast. And if your prey are grouped up, you're able to dole out more damage, breaking their ranks and their spirit. Uh, on each of your turns, when you're making a weapon attack, you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that's within five feet of the original target and within range of your weapons. So that's, uh, that's what uh, you choose one of those three options. And it kind of specializes and, and makes your ranger unique at level three. At level seven, you get defensive tactics. You can choose between escape the horde, multi-attack defense, or steel will. Escape the horde gives you uh, 
the ability that opportunity attacks against you, just flat all opportunity attacks, are made with disadvantage. So you're harder to hit when you get surrounded and need to GTFO. Uh, nice. Multi-attack defense is when a creature hits you with an attack, you gain a plus four bonus to AC against all subsequent attacks made by that creature for the rest of the turn. So if you've got some big monster that like can hit you know, three times, uh, after that first swing, you get a plus four to your AC every subsequent attack. And then finally, Steel Will, you gain advantage on saving throws against being frightened. At level 11, you get a multi-attack. Uh, and multi-attack is a little different for hunters. You can choose between volley and whirlwind attack. Uh, volley is you use your action to make a ranged attack against any number of creatures within 10 feet of a point you can see within your weapon's range. You must have the ammunition for each target, and you got to make a separate attack on each one. But you basically, like, do the Legolas thing where you fire, like, I don't remember how many arrows he fires. Is it just two? I don't know. A lot. But, uh, he can fire a lot of arrows at once and hit a bunch of guys. That's, that's that thing. Uh, and then the other option is whirlwind attack. You use your action to make a melee attack against any number of creatures within five feet of you with separate attack rolls for each target. Basically, Link's charge attack. Um, at level 15, you gain one of the following features. Uh, evasion, stand against the tide, or uncanny dodge. So evasion lets you nimbly dodge out of the way of certain area effects, such as a red dragon's fiery breath or a lightning bolt spell. When you are subjected to an area that, uh, an effect that allows you to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage if you succeed and only half damage if you fail. Stand against the tide is when a hostile creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to force that creature to repeat the same attack against another creature other than itself of your choice. So you're basically spinning monsters around and having them attack each other. Uh, and Uncanny Dodge, just like the rogue, uh, when an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you use your reaction to have that attack damage against you. And uh, that's, that's the Hunter um, subclass. Uh, if you're thinking of like, ooh, I want to play, play that, and you want to base it off of another character in media, um, I mean, this is Al, uh, Algron, like Aragorn. 100%. Aragorn, Aragorn, 100%. Um, yeah, this is Aragorn, I think, to a T. Um, some other, uh, other characters in pop culture that would be Hunter Rangers are the Mandalorian, and, uh, as the name might imply, Craven the Hunter. Oh, yes. The name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the, uh, the next one is the Beastmaster. Uh, ranger. Uh, this is the pet class. This is also known as Mark Singer. <laughs> <laughs> also known as the class that I think every DM hates. But go ahead. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I hate I hate dealing with like mounts. Yeah. I just, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So um, you don't that down. have to be this class. <laughs> you want a pet, but like this is the one you want to be in if you want a pet that's useful at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so 
the Beastmaster Ranger has a united focus with the creatures that they befriend. Uh, they work as one to fight the monstrous foes that threaten civilization and wilderness alike. So they have a companion that actually, like, does stuff with you. Um, there are some stipulations with it. So uh, the biggest one is that your beast uh, must be of a challenge rating of no higher than uh, one-fourth. Um, but you get to add your proficiency bonuses to its AC, attack rolls, damage rolls, um, saving throws, and then skills that it's proficient in. So beefs it up a little bit. Uh, and then on your turn, you can command your beast to take an action. Um, and then uh, when you get the uh, extra attack feature, which we'll talk about later, um, you can split your attacks between yourself and your beast. Um, warning, your beast can die. And if Aaron is your DM, it will. Well, not <laughs> necessarily, but... Uh... <laughs> I can't. Um, so to help boost your companion's hit dice, uh, hit points, um, as you level up, it is suggested in the Dungeon Master's Guide that you bestow levels onto your companion um, sort of as, as the team advances. Uh, so you can give your beast a level in Fighter, for example, and um, kind of give it that little extra oomph uh, to hold its own. A um, little bit later, uh, seventh level, uh, you get what's called exceptional training. And that's uh, on any turn where your beast doesn't attack, you can use a bonus action to command it to dash, disengage, dodge, or use a health action. Um, so that's kind of a handy non-combat thing. Um, at level 11, you get bestial fury. Um, your companion is able to attack uh, multiple times. Um, so when you command it to take the attack action, it attacks twice. Uh, so good, like, you know, claw, bite, whatever. Um, and then at 15, uh, you get share spell. When you target yourself with a spell, you also have that spell affect your beast if it's no more than 30 feet away. Cure wound. Mm. Um, that sort of thing. So uh, it's, uh, it's fun to have a little, little creature buddy. Your little little blood drinker. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what do you call that there? Um, so if you are wanting to model um, that off of characters in media, you can take a look at like Nausicaa would be a really good one. Oh yeah. Or it could be pretty fun to like build a uh, Beastmaster Ranger that's modeled off of Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> so a, a mastiff. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 so like onions a mastiff who's bad. Would like Rob Stark count with Ghost? I feel like that would be pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rob good Stark good. with Ghost yeah. is great. Uh, Arya yeah. would be a better uh, comparison. Yeah, but isn't her wolf dead? No, she's uh, her wolf's free running around. Oh, that's right. Okay. I mean, as a ranger type. Yeah. Now a bad example would be Joe Exotic. I was gonna <laughs> ask you. Wishes right. he was a beast master, but saw one, and he's just a commoner that saw right. a beast master ranger and was like, "I can do that." Uh, Grizzly Adams, that's a good one. Oh yeah, yeah. Grizzly Adams yeah. is a great example, but not the guy from Grizzly Bear because he died. Yeah, <laughs> he and his girlfriend, he died. Mm -mm. That was the Grizzly Man. The Grizzly Man, yeah. That's what happens when you check. Uh, that's what happens when you pick Werner Herzog as an adventure mate. <laughs> He's just gonna film your death. Oh my God, Werner Herzog would be the most amazing NPC in a campaign. 
Yeah, it's true. Um, so the next, the next three are uh, the subclasses presented in Xanathar's Guide, and the first one is the Gloomstalker. These are the spooky rangers. And they excel in the art of the ambush, getting the drop on their foes and disappearing just as quickly as they appear. So at third level, uh, you gain Gloomstalker magic. Uh, you get additional spells that count as ranger spells for you. Uh, as you continue this path, you get more spells at, at higher levels. And these spells add to your sneaky tricks. So it starts at level three. You get the Disguise Self spell. At level five, you gain the Rope Trick spell, which is an underrated spell, in my opinion. Um, rope Trick is a lot of fun, actually. Uh, at ninth level, you can cast Fear. And at 13th, you gain Greater Invisibility. And then at 17th, you cast Seeming. And... Uh, all of those help disguise you in some way or another. Um, also at level three, you get Dread Ambusher. Uh, you may add your wisdom modifier to your initiative roll. Furthermore, at the start of your first turn of combat, your walking speed increases by 10 feet. And if you take the attack action this turn, you can make an additional weapon attack as part of the action. If the attack hits, the target takes an extra 1d8 damage to the weapon of, of the we that weapon's damage type. So you move faster, you get, you close that gap uh, and strike harder at that first round of combat. Uh, also at level three, you gain Umbral Sight. Yeah, so, it's so metal. It's super metal. Uh, you gain Dark Vision if you don't already have it. If you already had it, your Dark Vision extends by 30 feet. Oof. And here's, here's the weird thing. Uh, I like it a lot, uh, and it's really good if you're a DM to play up the kind of spook spookiness factor of it. While in darkness, you are invisible to any creature that relies on dark vision to see you in that darkness. So that includes your party mates. If you're in darkness, you're just invisible to anyone who has dark vision. Wow. Uh at uh, seventh level, you get the Iron Mind uh, uh, ability. You gain proficiency on wisdom saving throws. If you already have proficiency in wisdom saving throws, then you get to choose to gain proficiency in either intelligence or charisma um, to better shield your mind from some of the dark, creepy creatures that might uh, you might be stalking. Um, at uh, level, uh, level 11, you get, gain Stalker's Flurry, uh, once on each of your turns, when you miss with a weapon attack, you can make another attack as part of the same action. Just hits on hits on hits. Um, and then finally, uh, they gain an ability called Shadowy Dodge at level 15. You become near impossible to hit, and when a creature makes an attack against you and it doesn't have advantage on that attack, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack. So like, if if the if the monster you're facing doesn't already have advantage, you can just be like, oh, guess what? You have disadvantage now. Try to hit me. Um, so, characters that fit this sort of description. The, I mean, the first character that came to my mind was Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the second one that came to mind was uh, Moon Knight, um, <laughs> especially with the Iron Mind bit. Uh, made me think of Moon, Moon Knight with his uh, psychic resistance. 
And um, and then finally, uh, Moonshadow Elves in the, uh, y'all watch that cartoon Dragon Prince that was out on Netflix recently? No, no. Yeah, I, I want that. to. Well, uh, Moonshadow Elves in that story, uh, they, they can, they're called Moonshadow Elves because they can cloak themselves in invisibility at night and they're pretty gloom stalkery. Uh, Talina not, just, sorry, go ahead. Say Talina just mentioned The Shadow. Mm. Oh, The Shadow knows, yes. Yes. Shadow would make an excellent, excellent gloom stalker. Good, good, uh, good thought there. Um, I know that this sounds like a weird one to throw out, but uh, Harry Dresden actually might make a pretty good, um, I mean, technically he's a wizard, but he's got, he's got Beastmaster type he abilities. Could, he he does a lot of, he does a lot of physical fighting, <laughs> you know, but he's got that magic that he throws in it, but it's not all magic. So I, I don't know. He, he, I get a very rangery Ranger's vibe from some him. magic to him. So that's, yeah. 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 I like that. So the next one is like, say the classic biomes are just not doing it for your, your ranger. You need something a little spicier. Go for the horizon walker. Um, these rangers seek out areas where reality has frayed thin. Uh, they protect against planar threats and they guard portals that lead to other realms. Um, they're, uh, they're pretty neat. You get, um, Horizon Walker magic at the third level where you gain an additional spell counts as a ranger spell for you as you continue this path. Um, so first it's protection from evil and good. Then at fifth level, you get misty step. Uh, you get haste at ninth and then um, banishment at 13th and then teleportation circle at level 17. So that's kind of gives you that like, Ooh. you know, uh, this this plane is is not big enough. I gotta go to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a detect portal at level at third level, um, where you get uh, the ability to magically sense the distance and direction of the nearest portal within a mile of you. Uh, you do have to wait uh, on a short or long rest before attempting again, but still solid. Uh, let's see. Also at third level, you get a planar warrior. So you've learned to draw upon the energy of the multiverse to augment your attacks. Damn. The creature you can see within 30 feet of you. And the next time that you hit that creature with a weapon attack, all of that damage becomes force damage and the target takes an additional 1d8 force damage. That can be like a big game changer for uh, a fight. Uh, let's see, when you reach level 11 with Planar Warrior, the damage increases to 2d8. So that's yeah. nasty. And, and force damage is like the fewest amount of like creatures in the monster manual like have resistance or immunity to force damage. So like you're gonna you're gonna hit these guys hard. Yeah. <laughs> you get, um, at level seven, you get ethereal step. Uh, so you've learned to step into the ethereal plane. And as a bonus action, you cast the etherealness spell without expending a spell slot. So you just that happens. Um, but the spell ends at the end of your current turn. So you do this once again uh, after you complete a short or long rest. So you get one go. Um, but that can, that can really uh, come into, in a pinch. Uh, let's see. At level 11, you get Distant Strike. So uh, you gain the ability to bounce, which is basically what all these others have been leading up to, let's be honest. So uh, you can 
bamf between planes in the blink of an eye. When you take the attack action, you can teleport up to 10 feet before each attack to an unoccupied space you can see. So you are bouncing all over the place you can go from frustrating spot to frustrating spot for your enemy. Uh, you can, if you attack at least two different creatures in this action, um, you can make one additional attack with it against a third creature. So just like while you're at it, let's hit that fight too. Uh, at 15th level, you get spectral defense. Uh, so your ability to travel between planes enables you to slip through the planar boundaries to lessen the harm done to you during battle. So say you take damage from an attack, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to all of that attack's damage on this turn. Uh, so that's, that is uh, probably, I think, the wildest of rangers. Um, I don't want to play one really badly now. They sound amazing. I know. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, so naturally, if you're thinking about basing it off of a character, uh, first thought is Nightcrawler, like I even said, Banff. <laughs> uh, another one would be uh, Marty McFly would be an interesting one to build a... Uh, <laughs> to you know who else? About. You know who else would make a good one? And this, this may be a little obscure... But Mighty Max. Mighty Max. Mighty Max. Anyone here ever watched the Mighty Max TV show? No. No. no? Uh, well, he had a he had a baseball cap that uh, would send him through time and space, and he had like this this uh, uh, chicken chicken uh, uh, dude that was a long suffering like uh, know it all, and a big Viking that was his bodyguard, and he was like basically. Uh, uh, moving through time and space to uh, stop a, a you know, dime store uh, version of uh, Skeletor. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Kevin says that he had a number of the toys, like Polly Pocket, only with monsters. So it, like, it, it was the yeah. boys' version of Polly Pocket. It oh, was. What? And then it, it got turned into a TV show yes, for like a season. Two seasons. It didn't last long, but it left an, it left an impression on me. <laughs> I just think of another in my head now. Hearing the description of the Horizon Walker, uh, I could see that being applied to Gary Seven from the Star Trek episode Assignment Earth. Oh damn! Yeah, because he jumps around to protect, basically to keep yeah to keep the plane working, keep an existence going. <laughs> oh, I like uh, what the- Kevin said. Yeah, the sliders. <laughs> yeah. Anyone oh yeah, sliders. Yeah, they could be. They could definitely be Horizon Walkers. That's mm. great. You also mentioned uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Strange yeah. Is not like my most favorite just uh, build to play, but if I were going to, this would be the one that I would play. That's cool. Yeah, Doc- Doctor Strange is definitely. Uh, I see him as more of a, a wizard, but he does deal with portals a ton. Yeah. So, yeah, that that could that could definitely work. I love yeah. the idea uh, that Norm's twenty fourth of Wayne from Letterkenny being a ranger, and yes, he would probably be Beastmaster <laughs> if he loved it from gnomes. <laughs> yeah, um, and I would I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah, there's got- play sets for um, Max. Mighty, mighty Max. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. 
Uh, we have one more uh, in this segment, the Monster Slayer. This is the last one out of Xanathar's Guide. Uh, Monster Slayer at third level gets Monster Slayer magic. Um, and so uh, that gives you protection from evil and good at level three. At level five, you get Zone of Truth. At level nine, you get Magic Circle. Level 13, you get Banishment. And finally, at level 17, you get Old Monster. Um, you gain something called... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're jumping it. You're jumping it. Absolutely. That, uh, the Hunter's Sense is another thing you get at third level. Uh, when you peer at a creature, you can magically discern how best to hurt it. As an action, you choose one creature you can see within 60 feet of you, and you immediately know whether the creature has any damage immunities, resistances, or vulnerabilities, and what they are. If the creature is hidden from divination, uh, hi hidden with uh, from divination magic, uh, then you sense it has no damage immunities, no resistances, or or vulnerabilities. But you can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, and you gain all spent uses after finishing a long rest. Uh, Slayer's prey is another trait that you get at third level. You can focus your ire on one foe, increasing the harm you inflict on it. As a bonus action, you designate one creature you can see within 60 feet of you at the, as the target. The first time each turn that you hit the target with a weapon attack, it takes an extra 1d6 damage from that uh, weapon. But the benefit lasts until you finish a short or long rest. It ends early if you designate a different creature. So that's like, you, that, that, that's a cool uh, ability because if you're in pursuit of something, even if it gets away, like if you catch up with that same creature, uh, that mark, that, that uh, Slayer's Prey mark remains on it. Cool. At level seven, you get Supernatural Defense. Uh, you gain extra resilience against your prey's assaults on your mind and body. Whenever a target of your Slayer's Prey forces you to make a saving throw, and whenever you make an ability check to escape that target's grapple, you add 1d6 to your roll. So uh, that's really good. Again, like if you're fighting a werewolf or you're fighting a, a vampire, um, it gives you that extra buff against their charm effects or their, um, their grapple checks. At level uh, 11, you gain uh, Magic User's Nemesis. This trait uh, gives you the ability to thwart someone else's magic. When you can see a creature cast a spell or teleport within 60 feet of you, you can use your reaction to try and magically foil it. The creature must succeed a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC, or its spell or teleport fails and is wasted. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool, just being like, nope, you don't get to leave. You nice. don't get out of here. Uh, <laughs> At level 15, you get the Slayer's Counter. Uh, you gain the ability to counterattack when your prey tries to sabotage you. If the target of your Slayer's Prey forces you to make a saving throw, you can use your reaction to make one weapon attack against the quarry. You make this attack immediately before making the saving throw, and if your attack hits, your save automatically succeeds, in addition to the attack's normal effects. Um... And that is the Monster Slayer. So heavily relies on that, um, that early ability, Hunter's uh, or Slayer's Prey. Um, a lot of other abilities are keyed off of that, but it really makes you uh, able to hound another 
creature um, and pursue it dauntlessly. So some characters from other media that would work well. Uh, already saw in the chat, uh, Geralt, uh, the Witcher, totally a, a monster hunter. Um, Van Helsing, of course, is, is a monster hunter. Um, Elsa and Ulysses Bloodstone from uh, Marvel uh, are, are uh, definitely monster hunters. And I thought that um, Sam and Dean from Supernatural could be good templates to use for this, yeah. as well as Samus Aaron. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That'd be a fun build. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, and that's all of them. That is the Ranger. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, there's really wanna... so much more to Rangers than I thought. I was not aware of all these like crazy there's subclasses. There's a very wide range. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry at all. No, don't be. Which then reinforces the fact that you need to arrange a discussion with your DM before choosing Ranger. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I really want to play a Horizon Walker now. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, it requires someone to DM. Mm. Who could do that? I wonder. Oh, look, Beans, like, what, who's, what's happened? I can't see anything. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know what happened. What? Me? No, what? Goes. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tooly, tooly, oh, yeah, real quick. Everybody say cheese. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you just screen cap it? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Should we say cheese again? Oh, well, I got to like bust out the screen capping tool and then... You're on a surface, right? Yeah. Well, it's I don't the... think it's the same. Oh, no. See, now on... I just muted everything. Are you on a surface tablet? Yeah, but I'm not used to it yet. So still... it's the Windows screen icon and the print screen. You hit them at the same time. Like this. <laughs> Too late. I got everyone going. <laughs> I guess it worked. I don't. Every I don't... chin. Oh wait, did you take it? I, I guess I did. Well, you want to do another one? Oh. Wait, while I was goofing with the chins. <laughs> okay. All right. Put your. Put everyone. Put their extra chins away. One, two, three. Okay. I'll find out later if those took or not. The beard just hides my hides mine, but this beard's getting out of control right now. Yeah. Hide stuff in that beard. Like, I think okay. I am hiding stuff in it. That's the problem. I, I have a French That's just bad hygiene. No, it just gets stuck. Gross. I just like to stick pencils and stuff into Greg's beard. Just like see how far. I can... <laughs> yeah, she does it when I sleep. So sometimes I'm like, I wake I up. I can hide a mini in my beard. Like, oh my gosh, like that. When'd you put this in there? Mm. <laughs> I believe it was a Friday afternoon. Uh, oh, don't worry. I won't, I won't cut it. <laughs> um, well, thanks, you guys. That was really cool and very informative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What class do you think is next? Because you guys are kind of running out of classes, right? Oh, no. We still got plenty. We still oh, got okay. plenty. Yeah. Um, when they run out of classes, they can always do races. That's true. That's, that's true. Very true. Um, yeah, there's a lot of those now too. What with all the other uh, extra books out, I think uh, I was thinking Warlock. What do you think, Lindsay? Uh, I like Warlock. 
Yeah. Ooh. That's that's actually one of my very favorite. I have warlock tales. Ooh. From the one time I partake partook in a orcs 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 game. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, we'll do that next it's... time then. Warlocks it right. is. Yay! Warlocks. Uh, well, uh, thanks everybody. Uh, do you know what we're doing next week, Bean Cable? Uh, I don't think we have anything planned yet. Okay, I know you were working on a guest. Are we? You were. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Like you, you sent them an Instagram message and a text. Oh, oh yeah, I haven't heard back from them. Okay, just check it. Yeah, I don't know where you where you took that to me next week, but no. That's what I just assumed. All right, well, we should find guests anyway. All right, um, but we can talk about that off mic. Yes. Uh, with that all being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Benarita. And I'm still Cable Hashtani. <laughs> and we will talk to everybody next week. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. Okay. Lion face, lemon face. Lion face, lemon face. Sorry. <laughs> uh, action, Gus. I'm busy, Ben. Busy. Um,